am your father. This is, this is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobson. You are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. We are on episode 27, and I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for a minute. We've just been missing each other through a variety of situations. I'd reach out to him, and then I'd get another person that I'd got to get right then, and they'd be like, yo, can I get with you later, and then, all this kind of stuff. So there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on, but I'm really happy to get a chance to sit down and talk to him. Uh, when I first met him, I viewed him from the film standpoint as an actor, performer, director, producer, all that kind of stuff, representing Two Crackers and a Lamp, I believe is what, what the uh, company was called. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, now, sir. He's, uh, now he's working with uh, Crown Capital Group. I'm sure he's got a variety of other things that he's been doing that we'll get an opportunity to sit down and talk about and hopefully give some people uh, a unique perspective on how to be involved in the music entertainment industry and finding your lane and whatnot. I have uh, my good friend John Sloan. Oh, we all know him as Jay Pimp on the line. Jay Pimp, how are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good. What it do, folks? Ain't nothing, man. Ain't nothing, man. Now, we, we like I said, man, you, you, you fit in kind of to a, a unique lane. I think a lot of people may not know that, like, your career is kind of unique in its approach where a lot of us, we just start out as flyer people, then we turn into club promoters, and a lot of people are viewing you kind of like as a club manager, club promoter now. But I know you from a different lane. But before we get into talking about all of those things and how you get to where you are now and whatnot, with everybody that comes from Jacksonville, I like for people to kind of rep their hood. So why don't you rep your hood? What side of town you from? Where you came from? Where you where you grew up at? I do it every day, all day. East 21st. <laughs> you already know it. I'm, I'm from all over the city, man. I'm, I'm a Jacksonville native. Like, I've, been, I've lived in the Sandalwood area, Northside, Palmdale, Westside, but the east side is my home. That's my that's the home front. That's okay. the home team. Okay, okay, okay. That's what's up, man. So now we not go we not go throw ages out here. I know you fit somewhere in between Vernon and Ivory. <laughs> you fit somewhere in between Vernon and Ivory. Vernon don't Vernon don't like people to know his age, and I be messing with him. I, I jab him all the time on the podcast because he won't get on. But that's a whole other that's a whole other deal. Now you uh you yeah. went to uh what was life kind of growing up on the on the east side for you? What was what was life like as far as uh growing up in that environment? How did it kind of shape you? Well, my father's from the east side, okay. and that's where my dad's side of the family's from. So I was always on the east side every weekend. Um, you know, growing up in the separate household, mm-hmm. my mom had me in you know joint custody. So um, I was over there every weekend, and um, it just gave me a different outlook on. The street side of life, like every time I went over there, we was just always hitting the streets, running around, playing, you know, as little kids. But then it also opened my eyes up to the streets, you know what I'm saying, to right. see how people are in the streets, to see what's going on out here. Um, so, like, really, man, I, I actually posted something on my timeline today that I wouldn't change anything in my life because it made me the man that I am today. Okay. Um, everything that I went through in my life, it just molded me and taught me. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be around elderly people, so, like, I was a spoon. I just kept sponging up knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
on the east side, it just taught me how to uh, actually survive, man, because it's a jungle out here, bro. Like, <laughs> I've been in corporate America 20 years, and it's, it's like the hood, bro. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people, a lot of people probably don't even, don't even know that side of you and kind of where that, where that yeah. all is. And like I said, we're going to get to all of that. Now, why don't you talk a little bit about, I guess, what it's like growing up on the east side and how that shapes kind of your interest for entertainment, music, film. Is there is there a space growing up that kind of you were you always growing up kind of like a performer? Like how does that how does all of that kind of come together for you? Well, my dad, he was um I wanna say an entertainer in the sense of he used to DJ a lot of parties. Okay. Um so I was always around music. Like he had this big huge system at the house. Um then he'll go do parties in the park, Kuka Park and all that. Um so I was always around it, and I always see, you know, just people vibing, having a good time, drinking, smoking, having fun. So I was always in that environment. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, the hood element, like, it just, it taught me to actually be aware of my surroundings. Because it right. was always something happening. You know what I'm saying? If you're in the hood, it's always something happening. I don't care what hood you're from. Right. If you're in the hood, it's always something going on. <laughs> so it just teaches you to be aware of your surroundings, what's going on. Who the fuck with, who not the fuck with, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? So right. it, it, it really taught me how to actually read people. Right. And then me, myself, personally, I was never, like, I only jumped into the entertainment industry after going through uh, my first marriage. I got divorced, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to change. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted something different. I was like, man, I've been doing just a normal dojo, go to work, come home, take care of the family stuff. I just wanted something different. And I was like, I'm always outgoing. I was always the most outgoing person, always making people laugh, having fun. So I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna just jump into entertainment game. I'm gonna do some movies or something. And I just did some research, bro. Like, when people say it's hard to get into something, right? anything, anything is just hard as you make it, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I jumped in this thing feet first with no experience. Just Google, you know what I'm saying? I went on right. Google, YouTube, some stuff. Researched. I looked up uh, movie scripts, uh, how to get in movies, uh, casting directors, casting calls. Right. Um, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time, energy, and effort, money, uh, just trying to make something happen. But if you're persistent, something's going to happen for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but that's just because I keep setting higher expectations of myself and bigger goals. Right. Now. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. No, I was just going to say, so. Obviously, you went to Rebalt. Now, are you at Rebalt the same time that Ivory is? Is that where that relationship begins to foster, or did you guys not know each here, other? Here we, here we go with the age thing. You, you think you slick, man? <laughs> you think you slick, man? Well, I mean, I'm no, just getting rid of, of it. No, I feel you. Uh, yeah, class of 94, shout out to the soldiers, man. Okay. I am definitely a Rebalt alum. Okay. Um, I came out in 94. Okay. So, I'm, I'm a little bit older than Ivory. Okay. Um, but our, me and Albert's relationship is, is very weird. We share the exact same birthday. Wow. Like, my birthday is March 23rd. His birthday is March 23rd. Okay. So it's, it's very weird like that. And we linked up. Uh, me and Chad Hendricks, we were doing um, a project called Grind to Shine. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, after months and months and years of spending money and going on casting calls and doing stuff, I couldn't get on, you know what I'm saying? So, and, and everybody runs into that stomach about, damn, I ain't getting on, I ain't getting on. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna do my own thing. So me and Chad, I was fortunate enough to be in one of his first projects, which was uh, Cracker Jake. Mm-hmm. Got in that, and I'm a 
also was like behind the scenes, like studying and surveying everything. You know, there's, there's that hood thing I was telling you about, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking at my surroundings, I'm looking at what's going on. Right. So I see the camera, I see the sound, I see the lights. So I'm trying to learn every aspect of this. And then from that movie, I decided to do Grind the Sound, which was based on music, mm-hmm. because I was also doing music too. So did Grind the Sound, and we were just running around the city filming artists, doing interviews with them, going to their shows, filming them, and just like everything that was going on in the city. So mm-hmm. of course, you know, artists are going to these different clubs, doing their performances. Mm-hmm. Ran, ran into CEO, Ivory. Hey man, we're gonna be filming some stuff in your club, da 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 da. It's like, all right, cool man, do it, let's do it. So we did it, and then we did a big premiere of the movie at the Florida Theater. Mm-hmm. And from then on, like, it's just been a relationship as a business and a friendship. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm a go getter. I'm a go getter, and it's a, a, everybody on the team really is a go getter. So it was more so I'm gonna surround myself with people that's going to get it like me, and not waiting on me to get it and then bring them along. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's that's how that relationship actually sparked. It didn't spark from revolt, but it just sparked from the hustle. It right. just sparked from the grind. Okay. Now I, I gotta ask you, man. Obviously, one of the one of the things that we, most people are gonna be like, you guys gotta kind of talk about that and go a little bit more in depth. Is the documentary "Grind to Shine"? Now, when we talk about the, the documentary "Grind to Shine," it is a uh, it's one of those things that kind of sits in uh, in Duval County lore, if you will. It's one of those things that those of us who kind of come up in the mid two thousands and kind of uh, you know make our names for ourselves around that period of time recognize mm-hmm. that as one of those monumental moments in Duval history. And, and a lot of that is a byproduct of your relationship with Chad Hendricks. Before we go into the details of the impact of the actual movie itself, can you talk to me a little bit about how you how you meet Chad and what that relationship is like in kind of developing this concept? Is this kind of something that came out of both of your heads? Is this something that was completely Chad and then you jumped on? Like, how does it all come together? Because that's also how I meet you. I meet you in the process, I think probably through Shout Out, while Shout Out was being filmed for Grind to Shine. So can you walk me through that process of of how that all comes about? And then we'll go into the details and the cultural impact of the video, of the, of the movie itself. Not a problem. So what happened was, me and Chad were actually filming, uh, we filmed, like I said, we filmed the Cracker Jack movie. Mm-hmm. We did that movie, came out good, um, and both of us were still kind of just like, Chad was, to me, he was more advanced than I was, right. especially in the film game, because he knew what he was doing. He was making a movie. I was just being in the movie. Right. Then I learned all of the aspects of it. Um, so after that project finished, the Cracker Jack project finished, then we were just, you know, me and Chad would hang out. That's, that's like right now, today, I call him my brother. Mm-hmm. We would hang out, he'll come over to my house, I'll go to his house, me and his parents and stuff will go chill, hang out, have drinks, he'll come over and hang out with mine. So it was more like a brother thing. Mm-hmm. So we were hanging out, but we would never get further than, you know, what we thought. We, we thought we deserved way much more. Mm-hmm. And the movie, the movie wasn't taking us there, so I was like, you know what, dude, let's just do a movie about our city. Like, I want to do a movie about this city. Like, I want to do a movie based on the actual struggle that we're going through now. Mm-hmm. Like, the grind to actually make it. Like, we ain't going to shine until we actually put it in the work. So we got to keep working. And so it was more of a... It was more of like, let me put some booster cables on the situation. Because right. he was at the point to where he was ready to give up on it. Um, he was older than I am. Um, he's a couple years older than I am. So 
he felt like, you know, he had been going through this life and not getting what he deserved out of it. Right. So he was like, I think I'm going to just do something else, bro. Like, throw in the towel, da-da-da. So I'm like, come on, bro. You can't do that, man. We just not, we just not starting to bubble. Like, we got to do something. We got to keep it moving. Like, if everybody quit when they first failed, then they'll never be a, a superstar. They'll never be a success. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, 100%. So, it was more of putting booster cables on them and just pushing us forward. So I told him, I was like, look, I'm doing music, and there's a lot of artists out here that's doing music, and everybody feels the exact same way. So let's give them a voice. Mm-hmm. Let's give them an outlet. Let's give them something to say and something to talk about besides just their music. Right. Let's, 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 let's actually turn into BET and MTV <laughs> in the city. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's what we did. And, and the response was overwhelming. Like, it was crazy, the response we got. Like, we had so many artists, bro. Like, the people that's in the movie, we had way more artists than the people that were just in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely did. I, I, I remember a lot about this video. But as, as a matter of fact, the funny thing is, I got a copy of it. By the way, shout out to Chad. I still need the other disc. But <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing I can say about Chad, if he hears this, he will definitely reach out to you and get you a copy of that disc. I promise you that. Eleven years. What are we now? We're going on eleven years later. I still have two of the same disc sitting downstairs in my DVD rack. It's all good oh, though. It's all good Chad, though. Give this man another disc. <laughs> <laughs> send him two. So I, I recognize the cultural impact, but for you guys, while you guys are going through the filming process of all of this, are you really, is it really resonating to you? Like, okay, this is going to be something that that's going to stand the test of time, because regardless of whether or not young people at this moment in time necessarily know about Grind to Shine, as time goes on, we chronicle hip-hop history. Like, I like to think that some of what my podcast is doing is chronicling Duval hip-hop history, and I'm proud of that. Correct. Grind the Shine is going to kind of do the same thing too. It's going to chronicle a piece of a piece of Jacksonville history. So, with that being said, when you're walking through this and you're walking in on Swords in his early years and, and nephew and, and shout out, you know, and yeah. and everybody who's doing that thing. I mean, even those of us who are promoters, as you're walking through and you're interviewing all of us and, and you're putting this whole thing together, do you have a sense of Wow, this is something big. Or was there a moment when you're filming one person in particular? That's me giving you a setup where, no, uh, yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, where, um, where you're like, okay, this is a little bit different than where we thought it was going to go, or it's going to resonate in a way that perhaps we weren't expecting. It it actually it grew legs of its own. Mm-hmm. Now, me myself personally, I it didn't hit me that it was going to be this massive cultural shock. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It didn't hit me. The only time that hit me was, and I, I guess because I was caught up in the actual process of just, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. I, I was stuck on go. Right. What's next? What's right. next? So even as we're doing the interviews, I'm looking towards, okay, what's the next interview? How we going to, how can I make this interview top the, the, the previous interview? Right. But what, what can I do differently than this and so it won't be so stagnant or the same thing each time, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I was more so stuck in the process and not really absorbing the actual impact that it would have right. or how big it would become. Um, and that didn't hit me until 
Um, I want to say when we did the premiere at the Florida Theater, mm-hmm. because of the response. It, I mean, the response. It was so huge, and everybody came out. Like every artist came out, even the ones that didn't make the project came out. Like, and it was just such a positive vibe and positive energy. That's when it really hit me, and I was like, you know what? We really got something here, and it can be very powerful. Right. Like because going through the process of making Grind and Shine and doing music and doing music and trying to get on. Mm-hmm. I noticed the same thing. You know, they call it the crab pot. They call it the city the crab pot. Right. Everybody has a crab pot mentality. Um, what I noticed was all the crabs came together for a common goal, right. for a common project. Right. And that's what made that project so big. And that's why that project resonates throughout, as you're saying, throughout the years. Like, even to this day, I still get people coming up to me saying, hey, man, I thought you didn't grind the sand. I'm like, whoa, for real? <laughs> like, that was years ago, you know what I mean? So you're talking about Saturday, October 14th, 2006. I'm looking at Jacksonville.com when they published on Friday that the event was on Saturday. By the way, I was was fly as hell that day. All of New Blood Entertainment (laughs) came out. We looked amazing. (laughs) Just want to throw that out there. say because I, I I lived it as it was going on that 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 moment was was massive I mean you had all of us coming out and a lot of us who don't even necessarily vibe with each other but everybody was in good spirits everybody was proud exactly. of what the event represented and you exactly. got I mean that was one of the first major red carpet kind of events of that sort for Jacksonville hip-hop because a lot of times I think people don't give Jacksonville hip-hop the credit that it deserves they look at it like, yeah. like you said, like it's a crab pot or that we lack yeah. people who are talented. And that couldn't be farther from yeah. the truth. I mean, you know, I will say that there's always, some, there's we some poorly produced stuff. South, so right. I mean, like, we, we were all over the, the state of Florida, really. We wrote to Orlando, we wrote to Miami, Tampa, we wrote all these different places to get every artist that ever did anything out of Jacksonville just to kind of tap into that history. Right. And that's the, that's the thing that people don't understand, that this, this history runs mm-hmm. deep. And I mean, what they don't, what a lot of people don't understand is that 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 video, that movie documents history going way back. I mean, when you start getting people older than older than my dog, shout out and shout outs up there in age, he'll tell you. When you start getting people older than that, you start digging into some history. You going back into the crates, yeah. if you will. So exactly. you walk, you walk in on Saturday, you see all of these people. How are you? What does this whole thing make you feel like as you're wa- watching all these people fill in to uh, to the Florida theater, and you're just watching all these people sit down, and all these people have gotten dressed to the nines. You know, everybody is dressed to the T, looking great it, it was to come crazy, see you, bro. Like it was, it was crazy, like just to pull up, and I mean, I stood outside for like the majority of the time before the project even began because it was just like it was it was unbelievable to me. You know what I'm saying? It was like wow look what we did, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's sort of like, 
child and you see your child grow up and graduate. It's like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, exactly. this, is a, this is an accomplishment. Right. So it, it was awesome, man. Like, the feeling, even to this day, like, just talking about it right now, it fills me up with excitement. Mm-hmm. And it fills me up with energy and it makes me want to go create. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how powerful it was for me when I just actually saw the response of the people. Now, now, give me a sense of kind of what what happens from here. What's the next events? Because obviously, like I moved out of the city and things like that, so I didn't get to keep track of a lot of what you were doing after after this pops off. What were some of the next steps after Grind to Shine? And were did you and Chad continue to work together? Because I obviously you're you're doing what you're doing now with Crown Capital, so. You and Chad, you and Chad still work together a lot. What's that relationship like now? What What were you doing up to when we get you to Crown Capital? Before we dig into that, like, did things fall apart so, with you and Chad, or what? So after that project, um, Chad kind of hit a point to where he was like, again, the expectation levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having high expectations, mm-hmm. but you can't get to the point to where your expectation levels creates a diversion for you or it makes you or puts you in a slump to where if you don't feel like you're getting something out of what you expect mm-hmm. then you just don't want to do anything right and so it was kind of almost a back and forth with that um and i hated to go through that with my brother because it's like i love this dude to death but i can't keep forcing and making you do stuff that you don't want to do right so he, he actually wanted to, he had to take a break uh, he wanted to kind of gather himself and because after that like we were setting up for the sequel and again I'm on go I'm on let's do part two I'm ready to do part two da 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 and not even knowing and I apologize to him for that not even knowing the strain that it put on him because you know at this time he's doing all of the editing he's doing all of the filming he doesn't have a crew that's in you know it's not this big computer room that is 10 15 people editing and chopping up video it's him right so, and you're looking at over 50 hours of footage. Right. And you got to go through each second to comb it out and create this masterpiece. You got to basically paint a picture out of a bunch of ink. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take into consideration of the work ethic that he had put into it, but I'm still on go. And of course, it was a lot of work on my end, too. You know, I'm footing the bill for a lot of things and driving everywhere and setting up appointments and, you know, going to the hood, making sure it's straight to bring a white boy in the hood and, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all kind of things that I'm doing. And that was you know, really the issue y'all had? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, man. It was real, bro. It was real. <laughs> in what way? Like, give so, me an example of something that took that took place. Okay, for example, I'm from the east side. Mm-hmm. So I filmed some stuff in the hood, of course. Right. Um, and I, you know, I call her, hey, bro, listen, this is what's going on, da, da, da. Make sure everything comes steady. Oh yeah, okay, cool, cool. Because if you just if you just show up with a white boy with a camera, you either the police. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Like something ain't right. Right. <laughs> so all those things had to be clarified. I mean, even going to other people because we went to other hoods and other artists. That, you know, they in different hoods. And hey, bro, we're coming to the hood, so make sure everything is straight. Mm-hmm. And everything was copacetic. We didn't have issues to where it was like, oh shit. But it could have been. Right. Right. So. But our relationship, um, yeah. we never really, like, our relationship didn't hurt from that. Mm-hmm. It just, we chose to go different paths. Mm-hmm. So I'm still, you know, pushing 
looking forward and doing projects with other producers and directors. And I did a couple other movies that went nationwide, that Treacherous, um, Love Trap. So a, a lot of other movies that I did with different producers and directors, and then were very successful. And he's done some projects that were very successful as well. Uh, but to this day, like me and him, call each other every now and then, and we'll spark up a conversation about getting back in and doing some stuff. But mm-hmm. it's just a matter right now. It's just a matter of both of us trying to find a time to see what we want to do, mm-hmm. as far as let's sit down, come up with what we want to do, and then execute it. Right. Now, and then you know, the business got to be right. We, right. Like we've both grown and learned a lot in this game, right. which was a part of the grind and side project was trying to educate people on hey it, you can just rap okay cool but you also need to know the business side of it you also need to know like if you're rapping making this music and people like it and you you moving product and you ain't getting no money out of it then somebody's making money right so the business side of it you know a lot, once you learn a lot of things then you start moving differently yeah same thing happened with me man I mean as as time went on, um, you know, as I was a club promoter and street team, as time went on, there's certain things that, mm-hmm. that I was going to be willing to tolerate that I, that I will, you know, might have might have accepted yeah. when I was younger. But now I'm like, nah, look here. This is how this finna go. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you going to give me the ball and get the fuck out the way. This is ISO. Exactly. <laughs> this is ISO ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. For real. I don't need no coach. Just so, give me yeah. the ball and get the fuck it, out the it way. It was never an issue. Like, it was never an issue. <laughs> sense of when this actually took place and when this quote was dropped in the movie what your feelings were oh man all right that's cool but what you gonna do when the feds got a battering ram at your mama's front door because you're 25 years old staying at your mama's house sitting on big rims but your mama's house is the house with dope in the attic that's the problem that was swords. <laughs> but that's because it sounds just like him. Like you, you actually sound just like him. Because I've listened to it like fifty million times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that like verbatim. Right. And the thing about it, bro, even right now to this day, I call swords like maybe two, three years ago, bro. Mm-hmm. Also, just doing the mixtape shit. Like, hey, bro, I want to do a verse. I sent him like this Wiz Khalifa beat that I got. And I was doing the mixtape too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, bro, I want a verse on this. Da da da. My dog, drop that shit, send it back to me. Mm-hmm. No questions asked, nothing. Right. That's my dude. Like, and then when he when he said like what you just quoted, it was wrong. It was real. Mm-hmm. You can feel it when he's saying it, and you see it in the movie. You can actually feel it. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is what like this is what it is. Right. That it's and so then, funny because that 
That section, which I think you guys used as a, for a large portion of your trailer, is recognized by most people as one of the greatest. Like it, it, it is the essence of what what hip hop is and what film is. Is when you meet a street exactly. nigga keeping it one hundred. Like that was the quintessential exactly. example of that, man. And it resonates throughout the entire world, not just Jacksonville, not just the United States. It resonates throughout every hood in this entire planet, bro. Right. 100%. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of time that's passed since Grind the Shine, and that's something that everybody kind of recognizes you for. But now you're in a different role. Can you talk to me about the transition from doing film, rapping at the same time, to to kind of sliding into this role and how you got into a business relationship with Crown Capital and Ivory Ore and the rest of the crew? My thing was, me, myself, personally, bro, I just pushed myself. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm if I'm doing something, I'm an opportunist as well. So I might be doing this and focused on this, mm-hmm. but if I see an opportunity over here to do something and it's something that I want to do or something that's going to help me get to my final destination, mm-hmm. then of course I'm going to do that. So me jumping into the club thing was like, okay, I do music, I do movies, I can do the club thing because guess what? Once people know you're at the club, they're gonna wanna fuck with you anyway. Right. The DJs know you, the promoter, all the promoters know you, all the patrons know you. All you have to do is create product. Right. And put it out there. Right. So every time I started doing a new movie, I mean, it was times that I called Ivory and be like, hey, bro, I ain't gonna be there tonight. I gotta go film a movie. Mm-hmm. He understood because guess what? It's business. If I'm filming a movie, damn, I'm gonna do another movie. So when he finished the movie, we're gonna do a premiere or we'll do a party, we'll do a screening, we'll have a cast and crew come out. It's business. Right. So it was always, to me, it was always more like, it's easy for me to maneuver and do things because I have a goal. Right. And everything that I do, it's not like, oh, why did you jump out of playing basketball and you went to do swimming? Mm-hmm. I'm jumping out of one lane, but it's a four-lane highway that's going the same direction. Right. Well, so it was easy for me to make the transition, like, and then I just, you know, I'm a professionalism, so I'm I'm a perfectionist and I'm a professional. Right. So it's like anything I do, I'm gonna actually make sure it's done right. Right. So doing the club thing, I was focused. Now, did, how did you guys? But how did you and Ivory end up end up doing like becoming business partners together? Because that's essentially what what you guys are, right? In a lot of ways. Or what exactly is your current role with Crown Capital? I am the VIP manager for all of our clubs. Okay. Okay. So we open the club. I make sure that all of the VIPs are set up. Make sure that whatever we're going to do as far as wardrobe for the staff, how we're going to make the parties immaculate for the actual customers mm-hmm. uh, to the bottle pricing dealing with the owners of the clubs mm-hmm. like it, it's my responsibility to make sure that the VIP is run correctly right. make sure the money comes in make sure the people treat it right make sure that it's, it's, it's flawless right kind of like our experience was for you and a black alumni weekend when, when we worked with you Correct. guys which I, I can say was an exceptional experience and, and I can I can recognize the professionalism when I when I see it because I've lived in it. So I, I totally respect mm-hmm. what you guys I do. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad everything worked out. 
because I do have some customers, you know, they have bad experiences, but mm-hmm. that's because nothing's perfect. Right. Now, I do want to talk. We fix it on the next visit. Right. Now, I do want to talk to you a little bit about something that has recently taken place. Kind of want to get your point of view or a little bit of feedback from a member of the Crown Capital Group. There was a shooting that took place over at Sweet. And by that unfortunate shooting taking place, um, that that venue closed to you guys. Can you talk to Mm -hmm. me with, with whatever information that you're able to discuss a little bit about what happened? Um you know, is it something that uh, that Crown Capital failed to do uh, in making sure that they secured the venue? Um, and ultimately, how has that impacted you guys moving forward? Okay, so the shooting actually took place on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, it was not a Crown Capital group event. Okay. It was another promoter's event. Okay. Um, however, being that we're Crown Capital and we're like the most visible in the city, mm-hmm. anything that happens at any one of our venues, of course, they're going to try to attach it to us. Okay, so stop right there. So um, you guys own that venue? You guys own Sweet? Is that what was going on? Or were you the primary promoter for the venue? No, we didn't own We didn't own Sweet. Okay. Sweet is a, it's a corporation. So okay. there's, there's Sweets at different cities around the nation. Gotcha. Um, but we're just the main, we're like the main promoters there. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So when the when the situation happened on the Thursday, of course we have an immediate follow, Friday that follows that, which is our night. Um, it happened on a Thursday, so of course, out of consideration of what took place, we closed that Friday. As far as Crown Capital Group goes, saying, "Hey, we're not going to do an event because this just happened, and you know, this this is not right." Mm-hmm. So, um, and then you know, a couple weeks later went by, da da da, and the owners decided it was a corporation, and I stated so. They decided that they're going to close. Um, and, you know, we didn't own it. We didn't own the building. Mm-hmm. It's just like you have an apartment or just like you lease a house. If the owner says, hey, you got to be out by this time, right. you got to go. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. Your hands are tied. You just got to keep pushing. Um, fortunately for us, we're a company that doesn't rely on just one venue. Right. We were doing multiple venues anyway. Right. So, um, it did shoot us in the foot a little bit. It did kind of make us slow down and regroup and, you know, come up with some different things, but mm-hmm. that's life in general. Right. That's business in general. There's always going to be stumbling blocks, roadblocks. You just got to push through them and go around them. Right. And that's what we continue to do. Uh, right now we do our first Friday. First Friday at Sweet used to be the biggest event there at Sweet every month. Mm-hmm. We, we've moved first Friday from Sweet in the town center to Jack's Beach at Sea Chasers. Oh, wow. Which is, so which now, is the beach yeah, is usually not recognized beach, as a place. Looking at the ocean, yeah. having an upscale, grown adult party. And it's, it's awesome, bro. Like, the atmosphere is awesome. The vibe is awesome. The view is awesome. So, I look at stuff and I say it happens for a reason. Right. God gave us a direction. We're just traveling this path. So if he tells us to go left, we go left. Now, if you decide to go right and he tells you to go left, then you might have to go through a little more hell. Right. But if you just follow the the direction, no matter what stumbling the roadblocks get in front of you, you'll be fine. Right. Now, you're the first person that I've had on since that event actually took place. So that's why I'm kind of asking some of these questions to you. Now, there have always been people who have made comments or made statements that they don't attend 
Uh, they don't attend point blank or ivory or events because their hood or their street or people get shot. Those are comments that are made about uh, your Saturday night venue over over at Pure. So with, with things like this having been history for point blank, which is what Crown Capital kind of grows out of, people identify Crown Capital as kind of like the upgraded version of point blank. Right, exactly. So because people kind of view it all view it all together and maybe have had some bad experiences, there's been shooting at venues under the point blank label, and now even unfairly. Uh, you know, this shooting that took place on a Thursday that had nothing to do with Crown Capital was attached to to you guys' brand, plus things that have taken place at Pure. Um, has any of this stuff affected your bottom line, your clientele? And if so, do you want to kind of address, you know, how you guys approach resolving those things to create an environment that people want to be in? And, and just kind of what would you say to those, pe- those naysayers that, that say negative things about the organization because of things that, you know, tend to happen to just about every promoter. I'll say this to you, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't address the naysayers mm-hmm. because they're naysayers. Right. The thing about the, the thing about life. It was Ariana Grande. Is that her name? Did she just yeah. have a Ariana Grande? Yeah. Europe? Yeah. And, it was a bombing. And, and and unfortunately, a unfortunately, my heart goes out to everybody that was affected by that. It was a, a deep, a, a horrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. People are people. Right. Bad people are bad people. Good people are good people. Mm-hmm. And it happens all over the world. Mm-hmm. So it's not just to say only at point blank events, only at Crown Capital events would something like this happen. It mm-hmm. happens all over the world. There's Right now, you go to Jack's Beach, and it's a bunch of white clubs on the beach, right? Mm-hmm. It's always been that way for years. Right. There are fights on the beach all the time. Right. 100%. There are fights in those clubs all the time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't get broadcast or put in the public's eyes much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know the reason why. I'm right. not here to argue it or prove them wrong. But when you're not wrong, you're not going to be shut down. Right. When you're not wrong, you're not going to be continue. If you're in the right, you're always going to be doing business. You're always going to be working. Right. Yes, those things have stipulations that come with them. Yes, they have uh, quote-unquote bad karma with them. Mm -hmm. But you just have to push through it. And that's what we do as a business, as a team. We push through. We let our customers know that they're definitely safe. Uh, We have security in place. We have, we add security for special events. If we know it, like we're doing a, if we do a concert or something, we know we're going to need more police. We know we're going to need more security because you're dealing with more people. Right. And then you're dealing with people that are drinking. Or you're dealing with people that might have something on their mind other than just coming out to have fun. So first and foremost, our first thought is to our customers. Making them safe, making them secure, making them have a good time. Like, we just want to make them have fun. Right. Come out and get all the stress that you've been going through from going to work all week or dealing with your baby mama or your baby daddy or whatever you're going through. Come out, have a drink, listen to some music, dance, party, clear your mind, and get ready for the next week. Right. So uh, the, that's the main goal. So, Phil, I, I gotta ask you, man. I, I definitely before yeah. I let you go. Before I let you go, we're gonna I'm gonna hit a couple of names, but before we do that, can you tell everybody kind of 
where uh, Crown Capital is now, some of the events that are going on and things like that before we start doing the kind of one-liners, naming people and, and you telling me, you know, what the first thing comes to mind. Before we do that, can you just tell me kind of definitely, a little bit what Crown Capital has going on? Uh, right now, tomorrow, we actually have Duchess from the Black Ink Crew. She'll be at Myth, and okay. that's downtown on 333 Bay Street. Okay. So she'll be there tomorrow. Um, that's our new Thursday spot. We do happy hour from 5 to 9, and then we ride it out throughout the night just to party and turn up. Okay. Every Thursday we're there. Uh, Friday, we do final Friday at Mill, Mills Basin on Wells Road in Orange Park. Mm-hmm. So we touch every side of town. We're downtown. We're in, on the west side on Wells Road by Orange Park. Mm-hmm. And we do final Fridays there. That's more of a restaurant vibe. Mm-hmm. But it's an upscale live band, DJ. People come out and have some wine, drinks, dinner. You know, just more of an exclusive laid bike event. Right. Then we do First Friday at Sea Chasers. Uh, every first Friday of the month, we do it at Sea Chasers on the beach, and okay. at Jack's Beach. And we also do Pure still every Saturday. Okay. So those are the things that we have going on in the city. That's Crown Capital Group, Camp Blank, TNT, Party with Zoe, me, myself, Pep Life. I just keep it moving, man. We keep working. We keep going forward. Nothing can stop the train until the train pushes the brakes. Gotcha. Now I'm going to hit you with a couple of names, man, and I want you to give me the first thing that comes to mind. All right? It's, I'm telling you, my answer is immediately going to be just smooth. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be one word. If you need to describe the person or the thing, you, you can go through that. Camus. Oh, Camus. No, that's... <laughs> That is my dog, man. That's my brother, man. Like, anybody you name or as far as a part of my team, Crown Capital Group, Point Blake, mm-hmm. that's family, bro. That's love. Like, it don't matter. That's love. Okay. Tough Junkie. Tough Junkie. That's my dog. I'm talking <laughs> about, well, I hadn't talked to Tough Junkie in so long, but every time I see him, it's love. When I talked to him, it was love. When we did the interviews, it was love. When we were at the clubs together, it was love. Like, it's just certain people, bro. They have an aura. They give off an aura. And it's just like, it's always love. It's always positive. Like, I surround myself with positive people. So a lot of the, a lot of the names you're going to name, if they're affiliated with me or have been affiliated with me, hey, it's going to be nothing but love, bro. <laughs> Young Cash. That's my dog. That's my dog. Like, I'm so, from seeing Young Cash from, from the grind and sand era when he was already popping, like, <clears throat> excuse me, when I met Young Cash, he was already popping. Mm-hmm. He was already bubbling. He had a deal with, uh, I think it was SRC, Universal. And he was already popular. He was already doing his thing. So when I met him, it was like a, it was a privilege to me. And then every time I see him now, and since the movie, when we talk, I see him every week. Uh, he comes out to a lot of our events, a lot of our venues. I see him out having dinner, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's all love, bro. Like, it's just, it's just a certain mutual respect that people have for each other when you're in this business with each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. Another one of uh, the folks that um, I probably have had uh, issues with in the past, Chos. Chos, <laughs> King Chos. Don't know you. See, now you're gonna have another issue. You put some respect on his motherfucking name because his name is King Chos. Don't make him bird man, you know. Yeah, oh, he, oh, you, you see, you weren't around when that happened. Dude. Go ask, go ask, go ask Ivory and all of them about murder of Jabba the Hutt. Now they got me and him, me and him oh, went through man. it oh, <laughs> in the late 2000s. Chose, <laughs> there, there, is, there is and will always only be one King Chose. Yes, King Chose is a smart brother. 
He's a strong business mind, and he definitely gonna let you know how he feel about what it is, no matter what <laughs> is going on. And he don't give a fuck what you think about it. Yep. Now later on, y'all can apologize about it. Y'all can drink, smoke, have a good time. But at that moment, if you fucking piss choke off, it's going down. <laughs> but again, I will never, for, I will brother. never forget the funniest shit in the world. We were going at it. I did a video blog on him back in the day when I first started to be Brandon Kobe Jacobs from Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And the yeah, video yeah. blog, the video blog went viral, and he was he was mad. I've always said that I never re-release it because it was it was ruthless. Like I heard stuff about they played the video in the middle of a point blank. Me, it, it, it was just, oh, I went way over the top with it. Now it was oh, what, what makes it so funny, which I'm. I, I'm sad and happy at the same time to know that I got his attention because he ended up, he was so mad, he texted me something about to him. I know you live, you need to stop throwing house parties. He was mad. Like, he was. <laughs> <laughs> was that, wait a minute, Joseph, was that a threat? <laughs> <laughs> Joseph was 38, but we've seen each other since then. We saw each other at um at Black Alumni Weekend and I spoke to him and, yeah. and asked him how he was doing. See, I told him anyway, it was love. Yeah, it, was, it was cool, so. I just described him to the T. <laughs> 100%. DJ Bird. DJ Bird, one of the best DJs that I've ever met. Uh, he's very in tune with what's going on, mm-hmm. but he's also a business mind. Like, he, he's very strong as far as pushing people, pushing even pushing artists. Like, a lot of people trip on uh, DJs saying that they don't support artists, this and that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've never heard anything bad about Bird as far as artists goes. And if I did, or if somebody does say anything, he'll address it. Like, Bird is the type of person that's like, I'm going to come tell you exactly what it is. You need to do this. You need to do that. You can't stop me when I'm in the middle of DJing a club full of people for me to talk to you about music. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, he's going he's gonna to give it to you real, but it's up to you to come back the way you're supposed to. Right. But he's an awesome DJ, bro. Like, he's on top of his game. Like, Bird's going a, a, a long way. Okay. Two more. Ivory or? Man, why you brought him up? Out of all people. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Me and Ivory have, again, that's my business partner and that's my brother. Like, everybody on my team, I consider family. So, I go to war for these boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ivory, the same thing. Like, Ivory, he came to me and he put me in a position to do big things, and I just kept going. Right. So, I roar, boom, nothing but love. I salute that brother. Last but not least, two crackers and a lamp. Two crackers and a lamp. If it wasn't for two crackers and a lamp, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. <laughs> nothing but love. Nothing but love. Like, I will forever be two crackers and a lamp. Mm-hmm. And I've had multiple businesses. You right. know how this game goes. Yep. <laughs> I've been a part of multiple businesses. I had multiple businesses, but I will forever be a part of Two Crackers in the Lamp. And as Chad Hendricks says, I am what do you say? The, the weekend, and he's a saltine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm always be Two Crackers in the Lamp, right. no matter what. Now, before I let you go, if if this whole deal ended tomorrow. And you, you you needed to say how you want folks to remember you and your contribution to the industry in Jacksonville. How would you want to be remembered? Just as the most upbeat, positive, outgoing person that always was trying to put on for a city, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. 
it was never about me, 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 me. It was always about what can we do to get further. Right. Well, there you have it, man. If you guys are trying to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on the email, est1984podcast at gmail.com. You can also go to est1984podcast on Instagram, man, or you can hit up my personal Instagram at Brandon Kobe Jacobs, man. Jay Pimp, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today, man. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to talk. I know we'll talk again in the future, man. And... Definitely, definitely. Appreciate you having me, man. Y'all want to holler at me? At J-Pimp, one shot. All letters. No there, numbers. There you go, man. I'm Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You've been listening to J-Pimp, and you've been listening to the Established 1984 Podcast. Take care.